And now, on with the show. Oh, hi. Oh, hi, Ron. <laughs> Welcome to episode three. Yes. Of Random Tandem, mm-hmm. the double feature generator podcast. Paul. Should I, should I say up front that this is, this is the Halloween episode? Yeah, we need to explain that we're kind of uh, changing things up a bit in terms of like the last episode, we generated a word that was going to be for episode three that was inquiry. I thought it was intrigue. No, inquiry. Inquiry. Yeah. Oh, all right. Uh, well, that's an I word. It's an I. You're close. Yeah. You're in the ballpark. Yeah. Um, but then we decided, hey, Halloween's coming up. We should probably do something special. Yeah. So we decided we're going to do the Halloween episode. Yeah. What do you want to say about it? Well, here's what I... So part of the deviation was I actually... We decided to do the, the Halloween episode a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. Right. But I picked a word. I actually used a random word generator and got the word nuclear. <laughs> nuclear. <laughs> I was thinking all day, you know, because I knew we were recording tonight. Nuclear. And I was I was totally going to make a W joke. And I, I think I just did it. And you just did it. I did. Unintentionally. Probably, I think inadvertently. Yeah. I'm uh, not even, because of the eight years of W, I'm yeah. not even sure how to say the word anymore. Right. It's like infiltrated in my brain. So we, I pick this word. Nuclear. Thank you. And we both, and we both initially decided this would be perfect for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And then very quickly, we started texting each other, oh, dear God, we can't think of anything pertaining to this word that isn't just a, a dystopic, right. horrible, right, right. disturbing, my God, why kind of movie, with the exception of one, which I think you picked. Pa- I will get there. Yeah, we'll get right, there. right. Well, just a, a little... I'm breaking kayfabe, ain't I? Yeah, a little uh, bit. A little bit. Sorry, words. sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so we decided to amend things a little bit. We mm-hmm. have so we have three picks this week. Yeah, our two our regular pick, our second pick, and then a special pick for the word nuclear. Yeah, so each of us have two picks that are just kind of horror slash Halloween movies, right? Right. That don't necessarily have to be about nuclear, right? And then we'll each have just one pick at the end for nuclear. Yeah. So. What we're picking at the end is really what we're using to comprise our double feature. Exactly. So a nuclear theme double feature at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. and as a kind of preview for that, or prologue, whatever, uh, just two each horror slash Halloween movies. I will say that I had a really... Well, initially I had a really hard time when we decided this is what the episode was going to be. Mm-hmm. I love horror movies... Uh, even when it's not this season, Halloween, you know, I'm, I watch a lot of them, uh, and I just didn't know where to start. You know, how, how do, do I pick like the two best horror m- movies? Do I pick two that I watch the most? What's the, you know, rhyme and reason? And I initially, or I guess what I ultimately decided was I was just going to pick the two that I watched most recently. And I've been doing on Twitter that 31 Days of Horror thing. You have. And I've been posting those on my website as well, like writing these kind of three to five what sentence is, What reviews. is the name of your website? Oh, my website is ronfelton.com. Excellent. That's R-O-N-F-E-L-T-E-N.com. <laughs> 
So if you go there, you can see my kind of list in progress. I update it every day with a new horror movie. And, you know, like I said, I write a few sentences about it. And that's where I would steer people if they're looking for more breadth. Oh, totally. Uh, I mean, there's everything on there from 28 Days Later to, I don't know, what else do I have on there? Uh, was, I'm trying to think of the last one I Cat's read. Cat's Eye. Cat's Eyes. You know, that yeah. was like the first one. And mm-hmm. So just a whole range of things. You know, I think just given the kind of uh, the style of our show, you know, we're only picking two ep- or two shows each, two movies each rather mm-hmm. for this episode. So, you know, you, d- you just are not going to make everybody happy. You're not going to be able to fully represent your range of interests when it comes to horror movies. So you kind of just had to pick two. I don't know. Did you have a strategy going into I this? had no strategy whatsoever. Just two. And, and I was very much in the same boat. Yeah. That for me, the joy of watching horror movies, I gravitate toward the Hammer films. I gravitate oh, yeah, toward yeah. bad horror films. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like, I think there's, eh, I get uneasy with the misogyny sometimes I feel yeah, of, sure. of horror movies. Sure. But, but I like I like the 1930s, uh, you know, monster movies and, the universal uh, horror, the uni- yeah. yeah, I couldn't think the universal horror movies, and yeah. so we're just generally bad ones. I, I, I think I just met, I mentioned that, but yeah, I, so that was that was hard. Yeah, it was hard. So why don't we get into it? All right. Before we do, though, I have a correction to make. We have a we have a correction. <laughs> yeah. The the random tandem uh, yeah. research department has yeah, yeah, alerted yeah. us. So obviously we record these episodes and then we have to mix them before we post them yeah. and stuff. So when I was mixing episode one, I realized that I misspoke when talking about John Waters' serial mom. Oh. And I was talking about the stars of the film. And I, for whatever reason, I think I was just thinking John, John, John Waters. Yeah. So when I was talking about the stars of the film, instead of Sam Waterston, I said John Waterston. And I was very embarrassed when I heard that. Uh, and I'm sure there's like one person out there who caught it and just, you know, my credibility went down the drain with them. So I feel compelled to correct myself. I meant Sam, not John. Jeez. Please forgive me. I was drinking at the time, so I didn't catch this Yeah, mistake. me too. I think that's part of the reason that that happened. All right. You yeah. want to start us off? One of your horror slash Halloween picks? All right. So I am a, uh, I, I love silent, silent cinema. Yeah. And so my, my first pick is F.W. Murnau's, or Murnau's. I don't know the German. I can't do German pronunciations, but uh, Faust from 1926. And it's his last German expressionist movie uh, before he went to the United States, uh, kind of escaping the rise of the Nazis. And, and uh, well, I mean, they're, they're, but anyway, so like, yeah. um, but it's uh, his version of the Faust legend and closer to the uh, Goethe's Faust opera. And is, um, is one of the scariest movies I've I've seen and not not in the sense of believability. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy is selling his soul to to uh, the devil, mm-hmm. uh, but just in terms of how do I say this? Like, it, it's it's believable enough. Like if you you kind of let your logic go and and you, you suspension of disbelief, suspension of disbelief, yeah. and and you start to say, well, wow, that you know, a guy in medieval, in a medieval German town is a um, an alchemist and yeah. I could see this happening and the idea of, you know, 
And one thing, I'm not sure if this is exactly what you're trying to say, so correct me if I'm wrong, but especially films that, and horror films in particular, that are set in the distant past, right? Before, uh, like, modern science and medicine as we know it today, where superstitious belief was a lot more common, right? Like, right. And we'll get to this when we actually get to my first pick, mm-hmm. you know, where it's just that, especially when you consider the... Uh, like grip of religion on the mass population. Right. It was, it was, if you can put yourself in that kind of mindset and we were actually talking, I somehow have never seen Faust. So I'm kind of speaking out of my ass here. I'm not sure if this is what you're getting at, but at least in terms of my first pick, that's what I really like about it. If you watch it from a kind of 21st century perspective, which I guess to some extent we can't help but do, but you know what I mean? Right, like, right. Then it's crazy and unbelievable and science fiction and all of that. But if you really think about how people really viewed the world and expe- especially unexplainable to them kind of phenomenon, uh, it you allow yourself to kind of uh, enter that world and become creeped out and scared in a way that you Ab- otherwise wouldn't. Absolutely, absolutely. Am I right, Paul? No, uh, no, you're, you're right. absolutely right. I mean, awesome. that, that you're not talking out your ass. I think that's... I like, am. I just got well, lucky. That's, not, that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, but, but absolutely, if yeah. you, you suspend your disbelief and, and, you've, and you fall into this 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 realm this world and and it is actually really terrifying there's there's a moment where uh faust uh has to go to uh meet uh it's not in the german i forget how mephistoph mephistoph i think is is how the characters it's not mephistopheles Mm -hmm. it's there's it's like but the same character that um and email jannings is is playing the mephistopheles character and he meets him at a crossroads, and our Faust meets him at a crossroads. And there's this brilliant moment where you see like Mephistopheles' eyes are illuminated. He looks right, right at you through mm-hmm. the camera, and it scares the shit. It's out something of you. those old films did so well. Absolutely, those, those close-ups where it's yeah. just eyes. Yeah. Like, what is the other film? I feel like there's a scene or a shot kind of like that in uh, Island of Lost Souls, maybe. Or like, oh, or like the original Dracula. Yeah, right. You have that kind of, or I guess not original as in Nosferatu, but right. Um, you know, like, that was pretty common in the old horror films. And there was something really powerful yeah. where you just had the close up on the eyes, and there was really a lot of darkness around the outer edge of the frame, and mm-hmm. it was just like piercing. You know, like you felt like that person is in the room with yeah. you. It was terrifying. Yeah. But one of the problems like, I would re- recommend if you decide to watch uh, Faust getting the most recent Kino version mm-hmm. uh, DVD release. I, g- I guess online there are a number of bad versions sure. available. Because I imagine it's probably in public domain, right? So anybody uh, can probably, pump, yeah. pump that out. Yeah. But Kino does a really good job in general, especially with that old horror. Um, like they've put out Dr. Caligari, Nosferatu, mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff. And they do a really good job cleaning it up and... As far as I've seen, anyway, they put out the best versions. Yeah, a lot of that. yeah. I've got to check that out for sure. Yeah, should we get to my first? We pick? should get to your first one. My first pick is The Witch, and if you see this typed out, it's often stylized. The capital W in Witch is usually two V's for some uh, reason. Okay. I don't know why. Okay. I haven't really looked into it, huh. but it's The Witch. Um, 
directed by Robert Eggers. And as far as I can tell, it's his first feature. I know he's done some short films in the past, but I'm pretty sure this is his first feature. It debuted on the festival circuit in 2015 and then kind of had a wider (coughs) release this year, 2016. But I watched this for the first time just about two nights ago. And I thought it was amazing. I saw yeah. a lot of I don't I spend way too much time on Reddit and I, I'm a little concerned about yeah, your Reddit usage. I get my wrestling news from Reddit, I get my movie news from Reddit, and my comic book news from Reddit. Alright. If you, you limit yourself to those three things, I think you're fine. I mostly do. Alright. If you start going to like alt right, you know no, 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 channels on yeah, Reddit. I'm no. I'm I yeah. No, but the craziness does kind of seep in wherever you go. <laughs> this is true. So I <laughs> am, I subscribe to this horror subreddit and people are always recommending films and asking about films. And I saw a lot of mixed opinion with regard to The Witch. A lot of people loved it. A lot of people hated it. There didn't really seem to be a lot of middle ground, but I saw enough that intrigued me. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go check this out. Absolutely. So I bought it, I watched it and... Again, I, I thought it was incredible. It's one of those films uh, that's horror films that's really atmospheric and okay. actually kind of sparse. There's really not a lot going on in the film. There are very few characters. Um, basically, the kind of spoiler-free premise or plot, there's a super religious family. This is set in 17th century New England. Okay. And this religious family gets exiled from their community and they have to go kind of fend for themselves. So they create this settlement right at the border of these woods and they start trying to grow crops and do what they can to feed themselves. And then shit hits the fan. So their baby gets abducted and they don't know who's responsible. They don't know if it's a wolf or, you know, what happened. And this is kind of like, you know, what we were talking about earlier in terms of trying to put yourself in the place or the time of the film. Right. Where you can imagine just how, like, horrifying that would be. Like, one day your baby's not there. And if that had happened today, right, in my neighborhood, I would know, like, okay, somebody broke in and kidnapped my baby. Right. But when you're living out in the woods and there are wolves and all these other animals, like, you just don't know. And so there's that kind of mystery that really sets the tone for the film. Okay, something's up here. They don't know what they're dealing with. It could be nothing. It could be something. And it's a really interesting film in the sense that there's a lot of kind of interesting fi- like family dynamics going on where the father is clearly loving and protective, but there's tension between him and his wife where his wife doesn't seem to kind of fully respect him, especially after the baby goes missing and they're not really able to, you know, get the yield from the crops that they need. Okay. And she starts to kind of question his ability to provide for them. And she seems, you know, to have her wits about her and is very smart and intelligent and you would just kind of wonder how that's going to play out. And then you have the eldest daughter and the eldest brother have a really kind of interesting, weird relationship. They have uh, two young siblings, a set of twins. And anytime you get twins involved in a horror movie, think The Shining or... Yes. You know, things get taken up a few notches. There's a goat. A goat? There's a goat named a goat. Black Phillip who the twins seem to have a really uh, bizarre relationship with. Like, they're always singing songs about Black Phillip. 
and like teasing him and playing with him. And there are like possessed animals running around. In particular, there's this like weird rabbit that just shows up and stares at people and lots of weird things happen. But here's what I like about it. You know, I think there are towns in Vermont that actually this still exists. <laughs> on the surface, you know, it's this kind of supernatural horror movie. Because, I mean, I, I'm not really spoiling anything considering the title is The Witch. But there are moments where you actually see this witch. Okay. And so on the surface, it's the supernatural horror movie about a witch. But what I really like about it is that it really uh, raises questions in terms of what's actually happening and what are these people maybe possibly imagining okay so for example and this honestly didn't occur to me when i was watching it but after kind of reading a little bit about it afterwards um i guess the director said something about this but i mentioned you know they were trying to plant crops to sustain themselves and they were kind of failing and whatnot well this particular kind of uh disease or whatever that was afflicting the corn uh, is a kind of hallucinogen if consumed by humans. Oh. So the director at one point apparently said, you know, I yeah, I mean, that's intentional. So if you want to read into that, that these people ate this infected corn and then kind of hallucinated everything afterwards, like you uh, could kind of justify okay. that interpretation. Okay. You know, what, you know what's interesting? Like, I, I think this has been disproven, but there's that long-standing theory about the Salem witch trials that yeah. people were, were eating... Uh, Something, some, there was some fungus or something on, yeah, on that's the wheat. What it, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. And so actually this, the writer director of this film um, based most of the film on actual documents and things that he procured from New England, kind of pre-Salem witch trials. Okay. And so some of the huh. dialogue even is taken from documents he found. That's and cool. so it's largely rooted in actual history. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the kind of paranoia and fear that existed at the time. And I think, you know, again, back to what we were saying right off the top, you know, it's, it's interesting to try to view things from that perspective as opposed to our 21st century understanding of things. Sure. Um, especially when you see kind of how religious and fanatically so this family is and how that really guides every decision they make, you know, all of their behaviors. And when one of the family members starts kind of acting somewhat out of line, which by our standards today is nothing, but to them was like uprooting their family or, you know, totally kind of turning things upside down. I just, I just thought it was a really fascinating, well done movie. The cinematography is excellent. The lighting is amazing. The score is super effective and there's a goat and there's a goat <laughs> there's a goat and i yeah i mean I, I can't say much more than that without like spoiling it i guess or yeah, taking away right um somebody's pleasure from a first viewing yeah and i don't want to do that because i really do want people to see this i think it's really good mm-hmm. uh, the witch the witch the witch I will, I will i will check that out yeah it's awesome black mm. philip black philip the goat <laughs> yeah so what's your second pick for my second pick I'm horror slash Halloween pulling up my notes here I, I just saw this film about two weeks ago okay it's from 1976 directed by William Girdler I believe is how you say his name called Grizzly oh yeah, yeah so you saw this on Amazon I saw this on Amazon and I started to watch it 
How far did you get? Oh, maybe a minute or two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think you're, for the, you're, you're, for, you're through the worst part. I, and I didn't stop watching it because I disliked it. It's just I started watching it at like 1030 at night. And, you fell asleep. and I was like, I have to go to sleep. Gotcha. Yeah, and I just never gotcha. kind of picked gotcha. it back gotcha. up. Gotcha. But I was intrigued by what I saw. It seems like something that's up my alley. It, it is up your alley. Sir. Very much in that kind of cheesy exploitation. Do you, you remember the, the Halloween parties Adam McKenna used to have? Yeah, yeah. This would be a perfect film sure. for the, that Halloween mm-hmm. shindig he used to throw. Uh, but anyway, so it's from 1976, um, and I'm looking at the Wikipedia page because this is the extent of my research. Yeah, we're uh, professionals. We're professionals. <laughs> uh, it made quite, a, quite, it did quite well at the box office. Really? Yeah, it made like $40 million. Yeah, so 19- this is the time in our history where people would go see anything. Apparently. Yeah. This is post-Watergate, so people needed a way to feel uh-huh. something. Which will probably be similar to our behavior in 2017. Right. Yeah. Right. Just give me anything to get my mind off of whatever this is that is happening. Yeah. If it's a movie about a grizzly. Let's go for it. Let's do it. Let's, let's go let's for do it. it up. So I don't feel like I'm going to spoil anything <laughs> by by describing this film. This, okay. is, this is not The Witch. This is not, uh, I don't know, the 1980s discussion of Empire Strikes Back. I mean, right. This is... You've seen this. This is it's This so, is what you watch when you've been at the bar all night and you come home. I disagree. And no, you, I, <laughs> I, I very much disagree. This is a movie you need to watch at a bar okay. <laughs> or while drinking. Yeah. Or in other other states of altered consciousness. Yeah. Drinking it is the best. I would recommend. <laughs> I, I like to imagine that you've tried out like several substances I while have. watching this. I have. Different viewing sessions. Uh, I, I feel beer doesn't quite do the job. All right. Um, it's a whiskey movie? I think this is a whiskey movie, maybe with a couple beer chasers. We should develop a scale based yes. on like the best type of booze to consume while watching this. So The uh, Witch, I'll give a wine. Because... Wine makes you feel a little warm, yeah. but you still have your wits about you. You can still think about things in a critical way for right, the most part. Right. Grizzly sounds like a whiskey it's, movie. It's a cheap whiskey movie. Yeah. Like, we're like talking bottom shelf. Evan Williams and lower yeah. level whiskey bourbon. Yeah, Canadian I would say, Club? Uh, there's that crappy Canadian Club version. What is it? Uh, I think it's just called Canadian Club. It's all crap. <laughs> no, there's there's something worse than Canadian Club, and I can't mm. think of what it's called. But Old Thompson. Old Thompson. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, that's a different thing. Yeah. Well, it is something worse. something like that. So something on the bottom shelf. Bottom shelf, yeah. Grab like a tw- handle of that. Twelve ninety nine for a liter. Yeah. Fire up the grizzly. <laughs> or a gallon. Um, I would say Faust actually is probably like you need like absinthe or something mm-hmm. that, that seems very european yeah yeah you want to feel a little floaty yeah you want to be a little a little less cognizant of things going on you just let things kind of yeah overcome you and right so going back to so grizzly it it was apparently critiqued as a cheap jaws knockoff oh sure like piranha have you seen piranha i've seen piranha no and the swarm piranha uh received the same criticism Yes. And it, that criticism is valid to an extent. It's very obviously like... Fish. Especially if you look at the poster art and stuff, like it definitely was cashing in. But Piranha, I think, is a great movie. 
I in the way that it sounds like you're getting ready to explain. I'm, yeah. All right. Prison. So batter up. So there's a national park for for, for the listeners out there. <laughs> Paul basically just did the Kramer. Yeah. Yeah. The wiggly hand Kramer move. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so so there's a national park and there are a bunch of park rangers. One man is grizzled. He's gone through a divorce. There's a scientist. Does he have a drinking problem? He does not have a drinking problem. Oh, interesting. There's a park administrator. There's a young kind of other park ranger. There's a bunch of park <laughs> rangers. And there are a bunch of people. I hope his name tag says other park ranger. <laughs> I believe it does. <clears throat> it says park ranger three, actually. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Unnamed park ranger. <laughs> So, and, okay, so there are campers. They're murdered by a grizzly bear. Can a grizzly bear commit murder, or is it just killing? You know what I mean? This appears to be murder. So the grizzly bear, like, demonstrates, uh, like, capabilities of thought and planning. Okay, so the first murder that you see or killing, depending on your ideological position here. I've been watching a lot of law shows lately. Have you? Well, I watched like the Amanda Knox documentary. What did you think of that? I-, I thought it was really good. I I I, I thought it was really well done. Yeah, I mean, I th- it was weirdly having watched Making a Murderer not too long yeah, ago that it, it feels really, really brief and I actually kind of like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so going back, so the first killing you see. Killing. It, killing is from the perspective of the grizzly, like oh. Jason, like, like a classic slasher movie, yeah, like yeah, yeah. peering at the people from behind the trees. Mm-hmm. And the way the grizzly murders people is unbelievably hilarious. The way the, the people's bodies react to being squashed by a grizzly paw yeah. doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And then there are all these, these scenes of... Like people, like all these people, like it, it, like in RVs, you know, in 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 uh, camping areas, and the grizzly will attack one, and then everyone's like watching the police and the fire and ambulance come. Okay, and then it's like, well, someone was just viciously killed by a grizzly. We're all going to stay in the park, and then there's a there's the, the classic conflict like Jaws between the the mayor of um, uh, Amityville. Well, that was a different movie. That's a different movie. That's the Amityville the horror. horror. Right. But I know what you're talking The mayor who wants to Right, right, right. And, yeah. and so the park, the, the park president wants to keep the park open sure. because, you know. Cha-ching. Reasons. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the, the park ranger's like, no. And then there's a helicopter guy. But what did the second park ranger say? Second park ranger... He's my favorite character in this movie. Well, he meets an untimely demise. Oh. A hilarious untimely demise. So I'll call it timely, <laughs> if not too late, you know, if it's hilarious. It's appropriate. Yeah. It's appropriate. Um, but then there's one, I think that park ranger has a scene, that is a direct ripoff of the U.S. Indianapolis speech from Jaws. Mm-hmm. And he's describing, he's describing a scene that doesn't make any goddamn biological sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I, if I say it, I will spoil it for you. Yeah, don't do that. I won't. I won't. But you'll... Although I'm kind of, in general, somewhat pro-spoiler. But I know most people aren't. I... But this is... I'm very anti... I'm... I'm 
pro-spoiler in that regard, too, because, like, you know Hamlet's going to die at the end of the play. Yeah. So, you know, like, or Darth Vader's Luke Skywalker's father. This is not, this is in, this is in the culture now. Yeah. But I feel if I reveal this moment, all the humor dies. I, yeah, you know, I'm willing to uh, take your side on that. I think when it comes to humor yeah. in particular, spoilers are bad because yeah, no, humor relies so much absolutely. on timing and surprise. Absolutely. And I suppose, you know, surprise is a huge element of horror, but whatever. Yeah. Nothing I say makes sense, so we'll just go it, with it. It makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, that's all I mean. I should also say when I when I reach this point of the film... <laughs> how, how far into the film is this moment? I don't remember, but I was three bourbons deep. Okay, so, so maybe perhaps 40 minutes... 45 maybe maybe 15 minutes maybe maybe opening <laughs> title sequence hey, this, this film's pretty good this is a movie over here hey. where are my keys oh hi grizzly <laughs> you're my favorite customer <laughs> <laughs> i want and there's no consistency with the size of the bear either like points to this oh, no. is 18 feet <laughs> other times it's like 20 feet one guy hypothesizes it's like a holdover like giant cave bear from the pleistocene era t-rex yeah like t-rex size bear and then they actually see the bear it's like a normal size grizzly bear yeah so it's underwhelming it's yeah yeah but this is a complete waste of like 90 minutes I want them to re-release this on DVD, and that's the quote on the front. This is a complete waste of 90 minutes. Do you remember, I was actually, my review of of Youngblood was actually on IMDb for like two weeks. Oh, I probably uploaded oh, it. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, I was excited there. Why, you think that happens by magic? I do a lot of work here besi- behind the scenes. <laughs> I'm doing, uploading you're stuff. You're doing everything. And, yeah. You're bringing snacks. So, this is a 90-minute movie that feels like three hours. <laughs> But in a good way. <laughs> okay, Grizzly, uh, Faust, Faust was your first pick. So that in itself is quite the double feature, Faust totally and Grizzly. Is. You should watch Faust, and then like the palate cleanser is our, our keyword. We're big on palate cleansers here. Right. <clears throat> okay, so my first pick uh, for horror slash Halloween was Witch, or The Witch, rather. Mm-hmm. Stylized with two Vs. The Witch. Vavitch. Vavitch. Yeah. I don't know why they do that. I have to look into that. My second pick for horror slash Halloween is Rob Reiner's 1990 film, Misery. Did you know Rob Reiner directed that? I, I, this, I was thinking it was somebody else, but now this, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Rob Reiner, kind of uncharacteristic for him, right? I would say Rob Reiner has a very interesting film, film, filmography. He is a talented guy who probably doesn't get as much credit as he deserves in terms of being versatile and absolutely yeah well-rounded. So obviously Kathy Bates won an Academy Award for her role in this film as a woman who stalks, kidnaps, and imprisons uh, James Caan, who plays this novelist that you know she's obsessed with, right and. Kind of like Witch, this is a small film in terms of having a pretty limited cast uh, setting, right? Is mostly in this room where she holds James Caan's character. And I, I think, for me anyway, some of the best horror films are like that, where all of your attention, uh, like you just feel it's really claustrophobic. Absolutely. And like yeah. everything yeah, yeah. is just intensified because there's nowhere to escape. 
to, and that happens, or that's a kind of a literal feature of this film is his attempt to escape and he's, you know, physically trapped. And I, you know, I actually just rewatched this the other night for the first time since I was relatively young, like teenager. And I, I mean, I was surprised by how much of this I remembered like vividly. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was a long time. It's probably been close to 20 years since I've watched this. And I, I remember lines of dialogue. I remember scenes almost shot for shot. And I think that is a credit to how well made and effective this film is in terms of being like a suspenseful thriller slash horror. It just, I feel like it does everything right. Wow. Everything. Wow. Uh, Richard Farnsworth plays the sheriff, right? So the novelist, played by James Caan, goes missing during a snowstorm. Right. Similar to The Shining, in a way, another Stephen King film. We have, like, these snowstorms that really kind of propel the action and the narrative. And interestingly, speaking of Stephen King, who wrote both of the books that these films were based on, Uh apparently Jack Nicholson was offered the James Caan role in Misery. But didn't take it because he was, I guess, kind of worried about being kind of too closely associated with Stephen King after having been in The Shining. Oh. And another interesting kind of connection between all of these figures is that James Caan apparently was originally offered Jack Nicholson's role and one flew over the cuckoo's nest and and turned it down. Weird. Yeah. Can, I mean, can you imagine each either of these films with a different protagonist? You know, because Cuckoo's Nest is Jack Nicholson. Misery, <clears throat> you know, aside from Kathy Bates, right. of course, right. is James Caan. Like, he's so perfect in that hmm. role. I mean, I could see Jack Nicholson in it, but it, like, I, I can understand yeah. his Because I, I could see Nicholson in it, and I think that would be an interesting movie. But after having seen it a few times, you know, with James Caan... Like, I feel like he does such a good job with it that while I think someone else could do a good job, I don't think they could do better. I think that's my yeah, argument. Totally, totally. James Conn is... Re- well, I'm and, still thinking about, like, from the last episode you were discussing, uh, Dustin Hoffman was up yeah. for the role of uh, one of the characters in Producers. Yeah, right. And yeah. then he left to do Graduate. Right. Right. Yeah, and so it's one of those things, like, just imagining how these iconic films and these iconic film characters, you know, how our perceptions of them would be different. or our, Totally. Yeah. Totally. So this movie, yeah, like I said, you know, James Conn plays a writer who goes up kind of to this resort to finish a novel he's working on, and as he leaves, there's a snowstorm, has an accident. Kathy Bates' character, not so coincidentally, coincidentally finds him drags him back to her isolated cabin and pretty much tortures him slash holds him hostage slash captive and forces him to do some things and against his will. And it's terrifying to me. Like those are some of the most effective horror movies. I mean, we were just talking earlier about suspension of disbelief and all that, but some of my favorite horror movies are the ones that are just, utterly realistic like you can totally imagine this actually happening absolutely so we're going to take a quick break we come back we're going to have our two picks centered around or inspired by the word nuclear nuclear or as paul says (laughs) 
So we're now going to give our picks inspired by the word of the week, which Paul randomly generated. But I can't pronounce, apparently. Which you cannot pr- Even though he's a doctor. Right. PhD. I have, I have a PhD. You can't pronounce this word. It's only three syllables. Nuclear. <laughs> and I swear to God, he tried to pronounce I, it correctly. I'm just trying now. hard. Nuclear. Nuclear. Um, do you want to go first? Paul? I will go first because mine's far more depressing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so nuclear. <laughs> so, yeah. So my, um, so I have a kind of an unusual pick here. I, I kept finding things that were just terrifying, you know? And, and to me, like growing up in the eighties, I mean that to me that that still haunts my, my nightmares is, is you could have the zombie attack. And that does not intimidate me in any way, shape, or form. Goats do not bother me. Because mm-hmm. they're not real. Because they're not real. <laughs> but I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. But so, nu- there was so a very is, real nuclear yeah. threat. And so yeah. for me, like this 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 limit to suspension of disbelief is I can always reassure myself that this is this is fake. Right. Right. The thing with nuclear war films is that it it's plausible. Uh, so I picked, I picked a, it's, it, it's available on YouTube. It's a series of, uh, shorts, but often considered to be one long film, uh, from the British government in the seventies and eighties called Protect and Survive. Why I picked it was I've always been a fan of <clears throat> things in the public domain yeah, and public service, you know, documentaries or shorts from the fifties and sixties. And you go through the history of American um, bomb films like you know, <clears throat> duck and cover the turtle right, and sure. and uh, and those sorts of things that are parodied in the Atomic Cafe mm-hmm. or satirized in the Atomic Cafe. So the difference with between I mean, those often fall into the American versions fall into like the campy mm-hmm. kind of kind of realm. The Brits protect and survive is abjectly horrifying, <clears throat> and I think for a couple reasons. One, it's British. And so there's a, a stiff upper lip mentality to it a, a little bit. Um, it's partly animated. It's partly um, uh, stop motion. Okay. So you'll have like a house that's obviously stop motion animation. Um, the subject matter and the way they approach it is so matter of fact, and but it's also conditional statements. And it's also, so here's an example. It's, if you have enough food, then you should ration it. Mm-hmm. But the way they emphasize the word if, the narrator, <laughs> is like, oh my God. And if you don't. If you don't. It was nice knowing you. It was nice knowing you. Yeah. And so, and there's also like <clears throat> these moments of, here's the, how the, the siren will sound if there's an impending attack. Mm-hmm. And then here's the sound if there's going to be fallout. And it could be one of these three sounds. And here's the all clear signal. And so that's the first episode. <laughs> and then they repeat that. <clears throat> Just to remind you, this is what the impending attack sound right. siren sounds like. Here's the fallout sound. But they don't repeat the all clear sound. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So, so, not not so, very optimistic. No. And Brits. so yeah. I think there are like 14 segments of this. Okay. And they're all separate films, but again, that they're taken together, and they get progressively more stark and real. And I think the last one is how to dispose of a body. Oh, gee. I was I was jokingly going to say the last one is entitled "We're all effed." We're all effed, yeah. <laughs> right? 
but yeah, it's it's like you know, wrap the body in gauze mm-hmm. and then bury it if it's safe and mark it. But it's it, so it, it's British. It's yeah, and, and so that, that that's sort of very much like that. You know, uh, you know what's the the damn meme of um, uh, what is it the the, the Queen. They used to have in the, the bomb shelters in World War II. Um, oh, keep calm. And keep calm and, and, yeah. and live on, right? So there's that element to it, but it's also a very different, yeah. you know, sort of much more honest. It's kind of like what you would see if you were a character in 28 Days Later or something. Right. Right, like if right. the government had been up and functioning and broadcasting. Yeah. yeah. And there's also the sound effects. Mm. And there's a repeated sound effect that I'm not going to describe, and I, I tried queuing it up on YouTube and I couldn't get it, but it's... Uh, it's like this inner inner intercessionary music that is kind of eats your soul after a while. Mm. So, so I would I would say watch this, and it's a really great historical uh, document. So the name of your pick again? Protect and survive. Protect and survive. It's on YouTube. Is it on YouTube as one video? It's on as one video. So I think the video is about fifty six minutes long. So that's convenient. Yeah. You don't have to go clicking around. No. Clickety clack, a bunch nope. of links. Nope. One place. Nope. That sounds really interesting and terrifying, and I'm probably going to check that out. You should. You I should. I think I will. Yeah. Uh, my pick for nuclear, mm-hmm. say it with me, Paul. Nu- nuclear. Clear. There you go. There we go. Is probably an obvious pick in a lot of ways. Right. But I'll kind of explain why I went this route. Um, I picked Godzilla, the original from 1954, which was my—I had to say that was my initial pick, actually. Yeah, and that's yeah. what I mean. It's kind of like the obvious. You right. think, okay, nuclear fallout, nuclear war, mm-hmm. Godzilla, um, directed by Ishiro Honda, 1954. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I picked it is because I feel like—and I might be wrong. This is just kind of my impression or or feeling—is that a lot of people dismiss this film. As like, oh, there's a dude in a rubber suit trampling over model houses. Like, it's for kids or something. Really? Really? And I think that has a lot to do with the sequels. Because a lot of those were a lot less serious, Mm -hmm. objectively. And were kind of marketed towards kids. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, yeah. Like, oh, it's a fun monster movie. Right. Whereas the first film in the series, I think, is markedly different. Yeah. It's a serious film. It's not really campy. Like, it's about, right? Well, I mean, this is made less than a decade after Japan, right, suffers from two atomic weapons, right, right being unleashed upon it. Uh, and if you look up the estimates, how many people were killed in those two bombings? Uh, initially 70,000, I think. The average now, like, if you go back and look, I mean, it, the. Mm-hmm. The range is incredible. It goes from something like seventy, eighty thousand right, up to, to nearly a quarter of a million. Right. So if you think, well, the average is probably around two hundred thousand or so, maybe yeah. just shy of that. It's a staggering. I mean, mm-hmm. think and what I'm about to say, I realize I probably shouldn't because some people are going to take it the wrong way. But um, think about our country's reaction to nine eleven and how many people died. Right. Mm-hmm. What three thousand? Yes. Not to dismiss that at no, all. Obviously, no, 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 no. a tragedy. Right. <clears throat> but 3,000 compared to 200,000, right? So obviously the country as a whole is suffering this, uh, you know, tremendous trauma. and Plus also the, the millions killed 
in yeah i'm just talking know, the nuclear right, bombs right, right exactly right. so yeah i mean you you have a country that is just kind of in existential crisis almost literally and uh this was in a way a, a, a response to that and the basic premise you know for godzilla for those of you who haven't seen it or it's been a while um basically godzilla is a creature that was born amongst uh the dinosaurs like late slash early post jurassic era Mm -hmm. and has been essentially living in a sealed cave at the bottom of the sea and all of a sudden a couple boats go missing and there are some explosions in the water and the people of japan really you know initially are at a loss as to why this is happening and eventually the scientist figures out that as a result of some continued um, H-bomb tests, mm-hmm. right, that the radiation has somehow kind of like reawoken Godzilla and disturbed him. And so he's come ashore and is now re- wreaking havoc on the entire country. Yeah. And what's interesting to me about this is not only the context for the films, so you can read in it this whole kind of Godzilla as a metaphor for nuclear panic and kind of unleashing the quote-unquote monster, right, in our inability or uncertainty with regard to how to respond to violence because there is a debate amongst characters in the film like do we meet godzilla with more violence or do we just try to learn about him and and in doing so maybe figure out how to kind of cope or pacify him so it's this whole kind of you know warhawk versus somewhat kind of pacifist debate um which as you can imagine was a very real thing not only in japan at that time but in the entire world. Absolutely. Um, so I, th- I think because, you know, these themes really are at the surface in the film. They're not subtle at all. I mean, one of the characters explicitly um, mentions Nagasaki at one point in the bombing, right? Yeah. I mean, so it's not like as if they're trying to kind of veil this critique of nuclear war or something. Um, you know, I, I think that's th- those are some of the things that make this a really interesting yeah. movie and one that is probably unfortunately always going to remain relevant um, even if you're not thinking about nuclear war specifically but violence and war in general and yeah i mean i think there are lots of reasons to love this movie and i should i guess have prefaced this by saying i'm talking about the japanese version not like the americanized one yeah without who was that raymond burr i think they had in that and and, and then I, I th- I'm thinking about this. Like I feel like that first Godzilla movie is just really exemplary in in that in, in that context. Also, the, the metaphorical meaning behind it. And I think it does suffer from you know, that <clears throat> the string of Godzilla movies that came mm-hmm. after after it, where it just became like this this, this confused mess of a, a mythology and. Um, yeah, and then there are just like monsters battling monsters right. for real, right. no real apparent reason. Mm. And okay, we're gonna wrap this up. So next time, right for the next episode, we're going to uh, pick movies around the word inquiry. Yes, inquiry uh, next time, first Monday of November. November. Mm-hmm. But we have to thank Priscilla Villanueva. Yeah, she's our uh, producer. Slash owner. Also, we have uh, things on the internets, mm-hmm. interwebs, SoundCloud. If you go to soundcloud.com slash rantanpod, that's R-A-N-T-A-N-P-O-D. 
Paul, are you running our Twitter account? I am still? running the Twitter. How are things going over there? They're going. Uh, I'm gonna have to check in with you every episode. Yeah, they're, let's see how they're going right now. Okay, so while Paul checks the Twitter, I should also mention that this. Uh, podcast is now available on iTunes. Search for a random tandem podcast, and you might have to scroll through some of the results, but you should find us there. Paul, do we have an update on the Twitter? Uh, I just posted something. Taping the Halloween episode, it's a bit off the walls. You can follow us on Twitter yeah. at Rantan. Please follow us on Twitter. So Paul doesn't get fired. Yeah. R-A-N-T-A-N-P-O-D. All right, Paul. All right. We'll see you next time. See you next time. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.